Welcome back to the Texas Side Sports Podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Brandon. And on today's episode, we'll talk about the epic World Cup final between France and Argentina, the Vikings' historic comeback against the Colts on Saturday, and discuss what Jalen Hurts' injury means for the Eagles. But first, we have to start with the Dallas Cowboys. I've been looking forward to talking about this for quite some time since the game ended. For those that didn't get to see the game, the Cowboys lose in overtime at Jacksonville, 40-34. to Dak throws the ball to Noah Brown, perfectly placed. Noah Brown can't make the catch, bobbles the ball. Jacksonville intercepts the pass and takes it back for a touchdown. And that's how the game comes to an end. <clears throat> and there are a lot, a lot of things I could talk about, a lot of different directions I could go. But... Before I get into all of that, just a little disclaimer. This discussion on the Cowboys is going to be detailed, and I'm going to break down a lot of different things and kind of break down what's going on with them as a team. And I know there are a lot of people out there that, you know, that everything is Dak Prescott's fault, everything is always his fault, and that's fine. Everyone is entitled to an opinion. That's that's great. But this is a discussion, a broader discussion of what's going on with the team, <clears throat> and I, uh, I I just think it. I, I have some interesting facts. I have some interesting statistics, um, and and there are several several layers to what's going on with them, um, but. Let's get into it. I, I first, first I, I just want to say I don't think that this is all on Dak Prescott. Um, there, there are so many easy statistics that people focus on, and I know people want to jump to he's thrown eleven interceptions in nine games this season, and that's fine. That's an easy way to look at it. Eleven interceptions in nine games is not great, but let's look at those interceptions for a second. Because yes, they they all belong to him, right? When you when you look up stats, that's one of the first stats you can find is interceptions for a quarterback, right there with passing yards and passing touchdowns. But let's look at the interceptions for a second. He's had eleven. Five of those, so almost half, are on passes that hit the receiver in the hands, and I'm not talking. Receiver jumped up and tipped it. I'm talking hit the receiver in the hands. Ball was more than catchable for an NFL caliber receiver. And it was batted up in the air because the Cowboys receivers did not catch it on the first attempt. Gave the defense a chance and it ended up bouncing the wrong way. So that's five. Three other of those 11 interceptions are simply on plays, specifically to C.D. Lamb, especially early to middle of the year, where Dak expects C.D., based on the coverage, to cut his route off, and instead of continuing to go deep behind the safety, he's supposed to cut his route off and make sure, whether he catches the ball or not, his one job is to cut the safety off and cross his face. The reason that's important 
is because Dak and CD have to read the defense the exact same way. So if Dak sees cover three and knows that that safety is going to prevent Lamb from going behind him because that's his job in cover three, CD's job working the middle of the field is to break that route off, cross the safety's face, and at the same time that Dak and CD are reading this, Dak is throwing to the spot CD is supposed to get to before CD actually makes the move to get there. So Dak throws the ball on these three plays. And all three times, CD does not read cover three. Dak correctly, I'll say that again, Dak correctly identifies cover three, throws it to the spot he's supposed to go to, and CD continues to go deep. Safety gets an easy interception. This happened once against the Packers. This happened once against Tampa Bay. And then this happened once. um, I believe it was the New York Giants game on Thanksgiving. So those are three interceptions, along with the five dropped passes that all go on Dak Prescott's record. So that's eight of 11 interceptions. Now, the other three are on him. And I understand that every quarterback, to a certain degree, deals with this kind of bad luck, and that's fine. But when we have a discussion about Dak and the interceptions, let's just make sure that we have all the facts straight before we just simply say he's throwing the ball to the wrong team too many times. Because football is a more nuanced sport than that. And to simply point to a stat without context, without having watched the game, is just disingenuous to the actual conversation. And love him or hate him, when a quarterback has this many interceptions, when in his career he hasn't usually thrown interceptions, it's important to look at, okay, is he being reckless? Or are there other circumstances, along with some decision-making on his part, kind of combining for this perfect storm and this perfect recipe? Now, I've had people tell me, well, you say he hasn't had a history of throwing interceptions in his career, but how do we know that's true? Glad you asked. Dak Prescott in his career, including this season, has 61 interceptions, and he's played 94 games. Quick math, that is .64 interceptions per game. So a little more than half an interception every game. Okay? Now, that's his career average. And we just discussed that eight of the 11 interceptions from this season in nine games were, whether you want to say not his fault, partially his fault, whatever, eight of the 11 weren't just simple, he threw it to the wrong team. Okay? So three of the interceptions, we can all agree there wasn't, that he just made a horrible choice. And one of the interceptions occurred yesterday in the Jags game. One of them occurred in the Colts game. and I believe he had another one in the Tampa Bay game to start the year that was just a horrible choice. So, I'll follow you on all those. Now, three interceptions completely on him in nine games is an average of .3 interceptions per game, which is exactly half of what his career average of interceptions are. So, interceptions-wise, Dak this season is actually, in some ways, depending on how you want to look at it, 
and where you really want to point the blame, having a better year interceptions twice than he has in previous years. That's number one. Number two, let's look at the defense. Because when Dak didn't play for five weeks, no, six weeks, when he didn't play for those, oh no, I was right, it was five. When he didn't play for those five weeks, the recipe was don't turn the ball over with Cooper Rush, run the ball effectively, play amazing defense. And as long as the Cowboys did all three of those things, they won. Now, in those games, the defense gave up 17 to the Bengals, 16 to the Giants, 10 to Washington, 10 to the Rams, 26 to the Eagles in Philadelphia, which was a loss. And then Dak came back. They gave up 6 to the Lions. And I'll stop there. First seven weeks of the season, Dallas defense did not give up more than 20 points except for one time to Philly in a game that Cooper rushed through three interceptions. Now you say, what happened since then? Well, week seven, the Cowboys, one of the Cowboys' starting corners, Jordan Lewis, gets hurt, out for the season, not going to play anymore. Rookie Deron Bland, fifth-round pick in this year's draft, steps in, has done fine, but he does not have the veteran experience Jordan Lewis has. He is new to the defensive system, has played well for a rookie, but still a rookie. So let's look at the defense's performance since that injury. Gave up 29 points to the Bears. Blew a 14-point lead to the Packers and gave up 31. Um, Vikings game, 40-3. That game got out of hand. Sometimes that happens. Gave up 20 to the Giants on Thanksgiving. And then gave up 19 to the Colts, but that game was close all the way to the fourth quarter. was a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. And then we'll stop there. So between week 7 and week 13, the Cowboys gave up 29, 31, 3, 20, and 19. When previously they had only given up more than 20 once. They gave up more than 20 three times in that span and 19 in another game. And now I'll stop there. You say, well, what happened since the Colts game? I'm glad you asked. The Cowboys' second starting corner, Anthony Brown, gets a lot of slack for not being very good. And I'll admit, I've been part of that group too. There have been many a games where I've sat there and thought, man, Anthony Brown is horrible. Boy, was I wrong. Things could get so much worse. And they have. Since that injury leaving only one starting corner for the Dallas Cowboys. They struggled to beat the Texans and gave up 23, and then yesterday lost and gave up 40 to Jacksonville, which included 500 total yards of offense. Now, that may sound like excuses, but it's not. It's just, those are just factual. You can go to the schedule, you can look up how many points, you can look up how many yards, The Cowboys were on a historic franchise record pace the first seven weeks. Lose a starting corner, it drops a little bit. But hey, a defense isn't dependent on a starting corner. You lose a second starting corner in the NFL, where teams thrive on the passing game. 
All of a sudden, things get really dicey really fast. Now you have a rookie playing in the slot with no experience. You have a second round player from last year's draft, Kelvin Joseph, who should be, based on his draft status, should be starting caliber in his second year. Unfortunately, he's a busted pick, and there's nothing the Cowboys can do about that. But yesterday, he was getting absolutely burnt toast by every Jags receiver you can think of. Anyone ever heard of Zay Jones that doesn't root for the Jacksonville Jaguars? He had six catches, 109 yards, and three touchdowns. Now you say, well, Dallas, I mean, they led the league in sacks up until a few weeks ago. I mean, what happened to the pass rush? I'm glad you asked. Because a lot of people have been pointing the finger at Micah Parsons and saying, well, Micah's just got to play better. Micah's just got to play better. Micah had 11 pressures on the quarterback yesterday. 11 pressures. And it didn't matter. At all. And the reason it doesn't matter that the Cowboys can rush the passer is because part of the reason that it was so effective is that you can't throw to Diggs' side without risking a turnover. And although Anthony Brown wasn't Trayvon Diggs, he was a heck of a lot better than Kelvin Joseph. And he would get burned from time to time, but over the course of a 60-minute football game, he was more than good enough to play solid defense. And part of that was just his experience. He knows where to be. He knows where what he's supposed to do. He knows how to play with leverage. He knows how to play against players that might be faster than him, bigger than him, because he has several years of NFL experience to know how to handle those situations. Jordan Lewis has been our slot corner for a very long time. He knows all those things as well. When you lose coverage players in the back end like that, it has a tendency to make receivers get open faster, which means the defensive line has less time to get to the quarterback, which means sack numbers go down, which is exactly what happened. Another aspect of this is Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn has historically been a defensive coordinator who plays a lot of man coverage, and he doesn't blitz a lot. Now he's in a position where if he plays man coverage, his corner on the outside is giving up a 60-yard play. If he brings the blitz, his corner is giving up a 60-yard play in man coverage. If he plays zone, quarterbacks in today's NFL, like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, are going to slice and dice you all the way down the field because receivers know how to find a soft spot in the zone and quarterbacks like that can put it right on the money every time. So defensively, the Cowboys have no answers. Not to mention the Cowboys never got the run defense fixed. They gave up 198 yards yesterday to Jacksonville on the ground. 192, I apologize. An average of 7.1 yards per carry. So you can't stop the pass, you can't blitz, you can't play man coverage. And you can't stop the run. The defense can't do anything. Now, 
a broader discussion to be had here, and, and then I'll let Brandon jump in. A broader discussion to be had is, because I know a lot of you might be thinking, well, then I guess we just need to get a new offensive coordinator. We need to get a new coach. We need to get a new something. But we all know what the problem is. It's been this way since Jimmy Johnson left. Because you go back and look at the newspaper headlines from 1993. Cowboys come off two consecutive Super Bowls. And whose name is on every headline you can think of? It doesn't say Jerry Jones leads the Cowboys to two straight Super Bowls. It doesn't say Troy Aikman. It doesn't say Emmitt Smith. You know what it says? It says Jimmy Johnson leads the Dallas Cowboys to two consecutive Super Bowls. It says Jimmy Johnson, Dynasty, Dallas. It doesn't say anything about Jerry Jones. Jerry couldn't handle it. Couldn't stand it. Because Jimmy was coming off the success of winning a national title in Miami. And now he's coming to the NFL and winning two consecutive Super Bowls with the biggest brand in America? Jerry couldn't handle it. His ego got in the way. Told Jimmy, you got to go. Can't be here no more. Can't be taking my credit. I'm not going to spend this kind of money buying a professional sports team and not get credit for when things go right. And then Barry Switzer came in. The Cowboys won one more Super Bowl because they still had the players from Jimmy Johnson's team. And then the Cowboys have had absolutely no credible long-term success, especially playoffs, since then. And it doesn't matter what coach you bring in. It doesn't matter what coordinator you have. Jerry is always going to put his hands in on everything. He's got to touch everything. He's like a kid in a candy store. He's got to touch every piece of candy he comes across. And I don't believe in game Jerry is calling plays, clearly. But during the week, do I think he's telling Kellen Moore, telling Mike McCarthy, hey, let's run the ball this week. Hey, let's get Zeke this many touches. Hey, let's make sure we don't do this. Hey, let's make sure we do it this way. He's definitely, he's at every practice, every day. He's 100% doing that. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, before, I mean, Brandon, help me out here. Before Kellen Moore, before Mike McCarthy, it was Jason Garrett. Yep. Same issues. Not winning in the playoffs. Running the ball. Offense is great September, October. By Thanksgiving, we're pulling our hair out because we can't do anything. Yep. You go back before that. It's Wade Phillips and Jason Garrett calling plays. They're the same thing. Run heavy offense. I mean, we ran DeMarco Murray into the ground. Ran him in and we gave him 400 carries in one season. He was never the same. <clears throat> before that, the last coach we had before Wade Wilson, I mean, uh, Wade Phillips was Bill Parcells. Had some minor success there until Bill Parcells got tired of Jerry telling him what to do and he skipped town. It's been that way since we fired Jimmy Johnson. And I truly believe until Jerry sells the team, this is just going to be what it is. Now, as a Cowboys fan, I'm still going to continue to root for it. I'm still going to continue to support them because I just can't do it any other way. It's just in my being that I have to root for them. And, the, you know, it just is what it is. And other people's teams are going to continue to be more successful than the Cowboys. And, and you know, it, that's unfortunate and I hate it. 
but every year I'm still going to convince myself that eh, maybe this year, maybe maybe we'll we'll do something that we haven't ever done. Maybe we can overcome all the things and Jerry being in the way. And then we won't. And we'll sit here and wonder why. And we'll blame Tony Romo, or we'll blame Dak, or we'll blame the head coach, or we'll hire a new offensive coordinator. And then Jerry will say it's a disappointing season, and we had high hopes. And then he'll fire the coach, and he'll bring in somebody, and everybody will think things are going to change. And then we'll rinse and repeat. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, you said a lot of interesting things, and a lot of them are very valid. Um, I mean, you're right about Jerry. It's If he's not in the middle of the spotlight, he doesn't want it. And if the Cowboys win a Super Bowl here, or while he's the owner, it's not going to be he's not going to be happy with it unless his name is on the headline and not the Cowboys. Um, as for the defense, it, the defense is obviously struggling. We struggled with the run all year. Now we're struggling with the pass. I mean, we're struggling with both, but we have to stop one of them. You can't, you know, you can either give up the run or you can give up the pass. You can't give up both at the same time. Um, It's going to be tough for the Cowboys to come back for this. They have to get something in the secondary or, you know, stop, stop, I guess, laying back whenever you get that two possession lead. You need to score more. Um, And as for the interceptions, I was talking to someone today about it. I mean, like you said, a, more than or over half a dozen of his interceptions were off the receiver's hands, and I knew that. You know, it's it's no surprise to anybody. You know, obviously, so uh, media and social media and stuff aren't going to see that from that perspective. They're going to be like, "Oh, Dak has eleven interceptions this year." Well, if you truly watch the game, you see, or if you're not. <clears throat> Sorry, if you're not biased um, against the Cowboys, you know, you're going to see that they're hitting the receiver's hands. It's on the receiver to catch that ball. If it hits you in the hands, you're paid. You're, you're on this stage for a reason. Um, and it, it's a struggle every week. Obviously, as a Cowboys fan, we're not going to give up. Um, but we need to figure something out fast and uh, figure it out before the playoffs start, or else we're not going to make it very deep. Um, obviously, you know, the defense has a lot to work on. I doubt we get anybody before the end of the year, but, you know, we have a very young secondary, which is a blessing and a curse. Um, being young means we can, you know, teach them the right way and, you know, bring them up the correct way and everything. But also being... Uh, they're, they're not a veteran. They can't bring that veteran skill set um, that some of these guys bring. So it's it's a whole learning experience and you know missing out on two players is a huge defeat um obviously micah has been favoring an injury uh for the last few weeks yeah yeah so um he's still getting to the quarterback but i think he's i think a lot of what um the cowboys are doing right now is we clinched a playoff spot you know now with jalen hurts uh going through what he's going through I think the Cowboys might step on the gas a little more, but um, clinching that playoff spot, I think the Cowboys may let up a little more. Um, so that way, you know, ever nobody else gets hurt. We don't risk any more injuries, and you know, players that are dealing with a lingering injury, uh, they don't get injured furthermore. 
doesn't make it right. It makes the Cowboys look bad. Um, and it, it's tough to watch, but. Well, and that, and that's the tough part is, you know, I, I understand, you, you know, they're going to want to maybe let up because, I mean, let's face it, they're probably going to be the five seed in the playoffs. There is an outside scenario in which they could win the division still. And with Hurts, you know, we'll get into Hurts a little bit later, but with the situation with him, uh, you know, I, I could see it happening, but I wouldn't hang my hat on it or put money on it or anything. The problem is the way they're playing right now, they're just not playing very well as a team. They're not they're not playing complimentary football. They're not they're not scoring points and playing good defense. They're not taking care of the ball on offense and taking it away on defense. They're not they're not playing together. And in the playoffs, we're gonna need to be playing as one unit. And so it would be nice if we could let off the gas a little bit and get some people healthy. But McCarthy's going to have to weigh that against, okay, is it more important to be healthy or is it more important to try and get back on the right track, try and head into the playoffs on some sort of winning streak and, and build some confidence and figure out what's going on and figure out how to win games if the defense isn't going to be as good as it was early in the year. We're going to have to figure out a nice balance there or it's going to be our first-round exit for the second year in a row. And, you know, for for any Cowboys fans listening to this, I will say just from a, if you want me to be optimistic for a second, when McCarthy won the Super Bowl in Green Bay back in 2011, they won the Super Bowl as a sixth seed, played all of their playoff games on the road, led the league in the number of players on injured reserve or dealing with injury for the season, and didn't have a superb defense. They didn't have anything amazing going on. They just had Aaron Rodgers, and they just found ways to win games. They weren't pretty. They weren't impressive. They were wins, period. And I think that could could mean something for Dallas could um and that same year um if if any football fans remember that was the same year that deshaun jackson had the game-winning punt return for a touchdown against the giants in new york as time expired and that giants loss actually helped get the packers into the final spot of the playoffs based on tiebreaker scenarios and then the Giants went on, I mean, the Packers went on to win every playoff game and win the Super Bowl. So, McCarthy has been here and done it before. He has dealt with key injuries and lots of them to his best players and still found a way to win a Super Bowl. And that was with a young, up-and-coming Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm not saying Dak Prescott is Aaron Rodgers, so people do not do not have a meltdown. Not saying Dak Prescott's Aaron Rodgers. Not saying they're even remotely close. I'm just saying if the offense can hit its stride and can get into a groove for five games, anything's possible. And if Dan Quinn is half the coordinator, everybody seems to think he is, he'll figure out a way to get this defense 
not to the level they were at, but to just be average. And you could say, well, aren't they, I mean, they can't be playing that bad, right? I mean, you mean they're not even playing average? Glad you mentioned it. Because they are not, in fact, playing average. And I have a stat here for you. And in yesterday's game alone, the Cowboys defense out of all the games and all the defenses would have ranked 25th out of 32. It's not very good. Mm-mm. And just for uh, one more Dak stat that I had that I wanted to share with everybody. There's this thing called completion percentage over expected. And the quick and dirty of it is there's a statistical model out there that analyzes every throw from every game and estimates what the expected completion percentage would be for the average NFL quarterback throwing to average NFL receivers against an average NFL defense, basically. So based on how close the defender is to the receivers when the throw is made, based on the pass protection, based on game situation and what the defense may or may not be expecting you to do, all that stuff, this model will say, okay, in your game, your quarterback, based on everything that happened, should have completed 60% of his passes, okay? In yesterday's game, Dak Prescott was expected to complete 62.9% of his passes. His actual completion percentage was 76.7, which is 13.8 above his expected completion percentage, second in the league for the week behind Patrick Mahomes, who had 17.7. Better than Josh Allen, better than Jared Goff, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts, whatever your favorite quarterback is, Justin Herbert, whatever your favorite quarterback is, outside of Mahomes, Dak was better yesterday in that statistic. So, for all the people that say Dak's the problem, there's a lot more going on. But if you just want to read the box score and you want to read the cliff notes from what's happening, then I got nothing for you. But if you want a more detailed and nuanced conversation and you really care about what's going on with the the team and you really want a good analysis and a fair analysis of what's happening, there you have it. So, Cowboys have some figuring out to do. I don't know how it's going to play out. Um, but I hope for for Cowboys fans' sake they can, they can have it figured out because they've had a really good year so far. They've overcome a lot of different injuries, a lot of adversity, and I'd hate for it to, to end the same way that every other season does. But, you know, I always tell myself this too. At the end of the year in football, 31 fan bases, 31 teams – are going to be really sad and disappointed. And it doesn't matter if you're the first team eliminated from the playoffs or if you lose the Super Bowl. 31 teams are all going to feel the same way come free agency, come the draft. Only one team finishes the year feeling absolutely amazing. Only one fan base gets a Super Bowl parade. And the chances that on any given year that's going to be your favorite team is not very high. So, yeah, absolutely. You take the good with the bad. You hope there's more good than bad. Maybe your team gets lucky because you may not want to admit it, but luck has a lot to do with who wins Super Bowls too. So maybe your team gets lucky. Maybe they win. 
That's why when your team wins a Super Bowl, it's really exciting. It's fun. And it should be celebrated because it's hard to win in the NFL. And it's hard to win Super Bowls. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but we'll move on. That's a long enough discussion on the Cowboys. Um, I just I hear a lot of a lot of complaining, a lot of a lot of bashing on Dak Prescott, especially. And I just I wanted to bring a more detailed look into things and look at the full picture before people just start forming opinions about what's happening based on just numbers that anybody could Google and find. Yeah. So, with that being said, <clears throat> move to a lighter note. Did you get to watch the World Cup on Sunday? Dude, that was the... I, I think I said it before. Uh, I might have to start watching soccer. That game was exhilarating, um, seeing Argentina go up by two at uh, after 45 minutes. And then and I think it was in the 79th minute, Mbappe scoring the goal. Um, and then in the 81st minute, a minute, I think it was a minute... 32 seconds, seconds, 31 seconds. He scores another one in an absolutely beautiful shot, nonetheless. I mean, that shot was Mm. phenomenal. Um, He ripped it top corner or middle corner, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, goes to to extra time. Messi scores. And then he scores, Mbappe scores again. And that man carried that team single-handedly. And... Say what you want, but without the injuries, without the players that didn't travel to the World Cup with France this year, if they had gone, France would have won that hands down. France is the better team. But I'll tell you what, I am happy for Messi. I am happy he finally got the World Cup in his last game. Uh, Obviously not with Argentina, but in his his last World Cup game. Um, But it was an exhilarating game to watch. Yeah, I... I found myself like totally on the edge of my seat. Just I was so shocked at, at how exciting of a game that was. And you know, truth be told, I, I I don't really watch a lot of soccer outside of when the World Cup happens. But I mean, that game had everything that you could want in it. It was you know decently high scoring for a soccer game. Um, you had two of the greatest players playing soccer today, um, you know, not just playing each other, but playing each other, and both of them showed up and showed out. I mean, they both had multiple goals in the game. You know, like you said, France had to come back from a 2 nothing deficit, um, you know, and for it to go to penalty kicks, you know, it, it, when I went to penalty kicks, I was like, gosh, I don't even want either team to lose. Like, can we give them both, both the trophy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I just it didn't seem right that one team was going to lose that game, um, and I mean what a story that would have been for Mbappe if France had won. I mean three goals in a World Cup final and you get the win, and you're back to back champions. I mean what a story that would have been. But like you said, I'm really happy that Lionel Messi finally got his World Cup, and um, I mean you could see that it just it meant a lot to him to finally get that. And I mean he's heard all the all the talk about how. You know, he's done everything except perform and win at a World Cup. And, you know, to finally check that last box in his career, it's like the only tournament and the only trophy he hasn't won. Um, you know, that was that was really cool to see. And, um, you know, so congratulations to them in Argentina. And I, I uh, saw lots of videos on Twitter from people in Argentina celebrating. And, 
it looked like a lot of fun. So I'm definitely looking forward to the World Cup coming to to us in 2026. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to try and go to a game when that's here. I, you know, I don't. Absolutely. I don't know if I'll necessarily go and watch the U.S. I might, I might choose and go watch France just so I can see Mbappe play. But, um, yeah, what a game! Absolutely. Um, let's move to this. Um, uh, Saturday, the Colts and Vikings played a football game, and the Colts, who haven't been very good so far, were up thirty-three to nothing in the third quarter. You know, you you said that they played football on Saturday. If you told me that they were playing the Vikings at the halftime, I would not believe you. I would yeah. fact check you up the wazoo. Yeah, I um, you know, when I first uh, saw what was going on, because I, I turned it on about first quarter, I was like, "What did Kirk Cousins get hurt? Like, what happened?" Um, but no, nobody got hurt. Um, the Colts jumped on the Vikings early. And, uh, yeah, they, they were up 33 to zero. Um, for those that didn't hear or see it, uh, the Vikings won that game, uh, in overtime, 39 to 36. Um, biggest comeback in NFL history, regular season or playoffs. Um, and it quite honestly is one of the most incredible games I've ever seen. I don't I don't know how the Colts found a way to do that. And I feel really bad for Matt Ryan, uh quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts because if you remember correctly, he was the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago, um 2016 when uh or was that 2018? I think it was 2016. Uh when um Matt Ryan the Falcons had a 28 to 3 lead in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady comes all the way back, ties it and wins the game in overtime. Um. Yeah, it, it. I'm sure Matt Ryan was having flashbacks as that, as that uh, was happening to the Colts. But there's nothing I would they, like, they could do about it. So yeah, I would like to point out. You know, you said you feel bad for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had nothing to do with that score. He had one touchdown and 182 yards. The defense for the Colts had two pick sixes in that game. Kirk Cousins ended the game with four touchdowns, two interceptions, which were pick sixes, 460 yards. Not only did that man give give a huge lead up, he came back and dominated that defense. I mean, he had two receivers over 100, and Dalvin Cook almost had 100 yards receiving, and he had 95 yards receiving and 95 yards rushing. He accounted for 190 yards. Of that offense. Man. You know, and and Jeff Saturday, interim head coach for the Colts. I mean, he won his first game, albeit against the Raiders. But ever since then, he has just looked like he is way too in over his head. Yep. And he just... I know they were up 33 nothing, but I feel like if they had a legitimate NFL coach, then the NFL head coach would have... Figured out a way to stop the bleeding because when it was happening, he just he just looked like he was standing on the sideline, just like, no way this is about to happen to me, and like it just kept happening, and 
I felt like every time the camera was on him, he was just, he almost looked kind of confused of like, this isn't about to happen, is it? And I was like, dude, you got to quit thinking about, is it, it is happening. You need to figure out a way to stop it. Like you need to, you got to dial it. Like that's when having a head coach or a, a legitimate head coach or a legitimate offensive coordinator comes into play because they, they, they have that go-to play that's worked all year or that goat, like, Hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to do this, 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 and this. When we get to third down, we're going to call this play. We're going to hit them big. We scouted it all week. They're never going to see it coming. And, you know, big play, take the momentum away, go down, get a touchdown. I mean, because if the Colts have one drive in the second half where they go down and get a touchdown, they win the game. Yeah. One drive. And they couldn't get it. And yeah. They that need to figure can't something happen. out. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. They got to find a quarterback, but they need so much more than just a quarterback. I don't even, that's a total rebuild going on there in, in Indianapolis. That's just, that's what's going to happen because that they have so many holes on that team. Offensive line is banged up. Defense is okay but old and a lot of keep spots. Um, Michael Pittman is a good receiver. Paris Campbell is okay, but they don't have anybody that, you know, they don't have a Justin Jefferson, you know, uh, Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't have a, they didn't have a good legitimate tight end that they can rely on. So, I mean, they just have so many holes. That's, that's going to be a long process to get that, that train back on the tracks. It's going to be a complete rebuild. Um, as far as the Vikings are concerned, though, I mean, they have all these close games all year, and they have the worst point differential amongst some of the best teams in the league. And um, they just continue to find ways to win close games, and I don't think it's a good recipe for long-term success, but you know, if they get in the playoffs and they have a close game against somebody late in the fourth quarter... I certainly don't think the Vikings are going to be afraid of that situation because they've had a close game against the Bills, Lions, Jets, Colts. I mean, they've they've done it all year, so yep. I don't think they're going to be phased by a close, you know, nail biter at all. I think they're going to feel right at home. That's how their whole season's been. So, um, <laughs> Vikings are also the team that I'd be least surprised to see get blown out by forty points at home in the playoffs. So. Who knows what the, I don't know what to make of the Vikings at this point. I I never seen a, a playoff team with their record be blown out as many times as they've been blown out this year. So mm-hmm. I I don't know. I don't know. Usually when teams get blown out like that, they're just not very good and eventually it shows. Kind of like with the Giants right now, they're they haven't won a game in over a month, but Vikings just keep winning games, even though their three or four losses they have are just complete. Like, you know, they lose by a million points. So I, I don't know what to make of the Vikings, but they keep winning. So as long as they keep winning, we'll keep talking about them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, did you hear the awful, awful, awful breaking news about Jalen Hurts this afternoon? I mean, awful for who? I mean, uh, awful the for Eagles, the Eagles. It's... Yeah. I mean, well, and for the Cowboys, I don't want Jalen Hurst to be hurt. That is awful. Help us um, prove anything. It, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's got a lot of uh i have a lot of mixed emotions about it obviously now this game on saturday um is a little more meaningless um in the sense of it doesn't prove anything uh that the cowboys fans have said for the last two three months uh since the last matchup and that you know but this is our chance to come back and uh get ahead in this division you know if everything goes to plan um or ever if everything goes right with the cowboys and the eagles um you know if the cowboys win out and the eagles lose out that puts the cowboys in first and that's great for the cowboys but it also means saturday is a lot less um meaningful for us cowboys fans it yeah. also does mean um it does mean that you know the Eagles missing Jalen Hurts will be a huge break. Obviously, he's going to get some resting time, but at the same time, is that really what's best? He's in a groove right now. Do you want him to have that rest? Do you want him to get cold? But because he's going to come back from resting his shoulder, and now you're worried that he could potentially hurt his shoulder furthermore. Yeah, for those of you that that don't know or didn't hear the news, Jalen Hurts today was uh, diagnosed with a sprained shoulder. Um, he's questionable if he will play this Saturday against the Cowboys. Uh, early reports this afternoon were saying probably not going to play this week and probably not going to play next week when the Eagles play the Saints. Um, so in terms of this, you know, we were really building up to this Christmas Eve game. It was going to be big time and, you know, couldn't wait and excited. And, you know, Cowboys going to have Dak and the Eagles going to have Jalen Hurts. Now we finally get to see who's better and, you know, all that stuff, all that's kind of out the window now, which is unfortunate because, you know, now the the Cowboys are in a lose-lose situation. If they win, well, it's like, of course they won. The Eagles didn't have their quarterback because that's what we said when we played the Eagles in week six and we didn't have our quarterback. So it was meaningless for the Eagles then. It's meaningless for us now. And it's really unfortunate because I was, you know, I was looking forward to, you know, I didn't know if we were going to win or not, but... I was at least looking forward to a really good game between two division rivals, you know, that that clearly don't like each other. And, you know, let's finally see, like, you know, know, let's see if the Eagles are as good as their record says they are when they have to play a team at full strength. And, you know, let's see if the Cowboys are frauds or if they're, you know, are they going to be, you know, competitive in the playoffs or not. And now all that kind of goes out the window. But... I will say it's still important the Cowboys go out there and get the win. It's not. I don't think it's just a given that they're going to get the win. I think Gardner Minshew is a decent backup quarterback in this league, and we've seen him win games for Jacksonville. We've seen him win games for the Eagles um, as a backup last year. So I wouldn't say it's just a slam dunk. Cowboys are going to walk to a win. They're going to win by 30. Uh, but certainly a game that if, if the Cowboys won't be taken seriously at all, moving forward they have to win on saturday period um and truth be told i think the cowboys need to win the rest of their games to prove to themselves that they're heading into the playoffs you know heading in the right direction dak's got to quit turning the ball over receivers got to quit dropping passes um and defense has to find a way to to do something i mean I don't know if you want to just play zone and, okay, you know, teams are going to get a lot of yards and maybe they're going to score a lot of points, but let's at least make them work for it some. Um, But you can't keep giving up 
60, 70 yard bombs on the outside and crossing your fingers that the receivers drop it because that's just that's just horrible defense altogether. Um, so they need to use the next three games that they have to get back on track. <clears throat> like Brand, like you said, uh, Brandon, if the Eagles, you know, maybe they lose this week to Dallas. Maybe Jalen Hurst doesn't play next week. They lose to the Saints. And then it kind of sets up a interesting situation where heading into that final week, they're going to need to beat the the Giants at home to clinch the division, and I don't think that they want to get into a situation like that. So I don't think this game is important because I think the Eagles kind of expect to lose this one at this point or should at least be big underdogs at this point. Um, but next week they should certainly win, and if they don't, then things really get interesting in terms of Cowboys potentially winning the division. But we have a long way to go before we get there, so I'm not even going to get into it any further. But if the Eagles win Saturday, they can clinch the division. But if they don't, things could get slightly interesting as we head into the final two weeks of the regular season. Um, we're going to have a shorter episode for you today, but before we get out of here... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Dolphins. Um, Dolphins on Saturday lose to the Bills in Buffalo. Snow towards the end of the game. I thought it was going to snow throughout the game, but held off until the end. Um, they put up a good fight, but that is now three straight losses all on the road, all to teams that are playoff caliber. You got the Niners, Chargers, and now the Bills. And a team that was 8-3, and three, and hadn't lost a game that two have finished, all of a sudden finds themselves at eight and six, and two games out, you know, two games away from not even being in the playoffs altogether. Yeah, and if you uh, remember last week before the game, uh, Mike McDaniel's wearing a shirt um, saying, "I wish it were colder," um, and all the all the talk that Tyree Kill and um, Mike McDaniel's made, and now you know. They, they couldn't finish it off. Um, it definitely looked like that cold bothered them as the game went on. The Bills just looked like they were getting more comfortable. Um, the Bills, I think, Josh Allen, Stefan, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Gabe Davis, I mean, they're made for that weather. Um, no team should be able to play like that um, in that weather. But obviously the Bills found a way to do it, and uh, the Bills struggled the, for most of the game. Yeah, and um, you know that's the mark of a good team. You know the Bills found a way to hang in there, deal with the the conditions, and found a way to win against a divisional opponent, um, maintaining the one seed in the AFC playoff picture as we head to the final three weeks. Um, and that'll be important because, um, you know, if if you're the Bills, you want the AFC playoffs to run through you, and if you're the Chiefs, you're sitting there at number two. And you're hoping the Bills falter a little bit and, you know, playoffs are run their way through Arrowhead. So lots to sort out as seeding works its way through the next three weeks. Um, be very interesting to see because I think whoever gets the one seed in the AFC should be the favorite. Because I don't think Kansas City wants any business going to Buffalo. And I guarantee you Buffalo wants no business going to Kansas City. So that'll be yeah. really exciting to, to keep an eye on. I, I think Miami really is at risk of missing the playoffs here, um, which would just be so unfortunate. I mean, you start a season 8-3, and three, the last thing you think is going to happen 
is you're going to miss the playoffs. But and, and I'm not saying it's guaranteed to happen. I just think that it it could end up happening. The Chargers are getting healthy at the right time. Um, you know, and Justin Herbert is is playing great football as usual. Um, so I it could get really, really, really interesting the next couple of weeks. Uh, the Dolphins have to play the Patriots again, which say what you want about the Patriots. Right, I'm just I'm just saying I wouldn't want my team playing Bill Belichick at any time of year if I'm trying to win games to go to the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they also have to play the Jets, and the Jets have been giving everybody a run for their money. They haven't been winning necessarily, but they've been playing tough, so that's not a team I'd want to play right now. So I, I don't know, man. Maybe they find a way to sneak in there. They also have a game this Sunday, uh, Christmas Day, against the Packers. Say what you want about the Packers. I don't want anything to do with playing Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but that's probably more because I'm a Cowboys fan, and when Aaron Rodgers plays the Cowboys, it, he plays different than he does against other people. So yeah, <laughs> um, maybe that one wouldn't be so bad for the Dolphins. But the other two, I would want you know two division rivals that may or may not be fighting for a playoff spot, but also have a chance to knock out another division rival from going to the playoffs. That's not a recipe I want to be a part of. Um, we're recording this on a Monday night. Um, the Packers and Rams are currently playing. Um, it's halftime, and the score is 10-6 to for the Packers. Um, we, we decided to record during this game. We didn't really think anything super interesting um, would occur, and none of it has anything to do with the playoffs as we head into the final three weeks of the season. Um, so we didn't we didn't really think we needed to wait for that to be over. If anything does happen in the second half um, that's worth mentioning, uh, any major injuries or uh, major news comes out of that game, we'll certainly have that for you on our next episode. Um, we will record the next episode Thursday night after the Thursday night game is over. Um, and we'll have that posted Friday morning for you. Um, we'll preview this weekend's games um, and cover, get, get you up to date information on the Jalen Hurts injury. I'm sure by then it'll be more clear what's going on. Uh, maybe we'll have a more clear timeline of how much time Jalen Hurts will miss for the Eagles. Um, and we'll kind of break down how that might affect them moving forward into the playoffs. So, a lot of good stuff coming for you. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, give us a like. Give us a follow. Um, we will, at some point, um, I think at the next episode, we'll do this. We will give you our email address so you can email us. Um, and we'll start doing a segment maybe once a week with fan questions um, or topics that you want us to talk about or things you want us to talk about. Uh, so we'll look at those on the next episode. Um, so hopefully that'll be a fun way to kind of get your questions answered on the on the podcast. So and then a wrap. Uh, hopefully you guys will like that. Uh, for Texas High Sports, I'm Jesse. I'm Brandon. And we'll see you next time. See ya.